are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we'll be joined by Nick Angstead from Locked On Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks are reeling, having lost their last four games in a row, including two against the Charlotte Hornets. They're not even in the play-in picture out west. What is going on in Dallas? Then we chat with Joe Mullinax from Locked On Grizzlies to find out how John Morant is re integrating himself with the Grizzlies and why Memphis was still able to find success despite missing their star player. Lastly, we chat with Darian Vaziri from Locked On Clippers on the impact of Paul George suffering what is being listed as a serious knee sprain and will be missing the rest of the regular season, but with the hope that he can return sometime during the first round of the playoffs. Now, as always, thank you so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's PrizePicks. Promo code locked on. Joining us now, looking very, very disheveled, is none other than the host of Locked On Mavericks, Nick Angstead. You can follow wherever you listen to your podcast, and you can see him in all of his distraught glory on YouTube. Just search Locked On Mavs wherever you get your podcast. Nick, the Mavericks have lost four games in a row. They're sitting outside of the play in tournament right now, including two back to back losses against the Charlotte. Hornets, who are firmly at the bottom of the NBA standings. They are squarely in the Victor Wimanyama sweepstakes. What is going on with Dallas right now? What's happening? Oh, he's, oh, oh, no, not the bottle. Oh, no. It's bad. It's bad, Jackson. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the bottle out. I'm, I'm drinking. I, I haven't taken care of myself. I feel as if I am the embodiment of the Dallas Mavericks right now because... It doesn't get much worse than this. You make a big trade at, a, at the deadline. You say, okay, the Mavericks literally. And this is not just like team propaganda, all that kind of stuff. Mav State media, whatever you want to call it. This is the best duo that's ever played for the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> like the best two players at the same time that have ever played for this Mavericks team since 1980 when the franchise was founded. This is the best two players to ever play for them. And it's as bad abject disaster it is it is just horrible right now they're only a half game out of the play-in which is the wild thing about this but you can't if you're if you're look if you're the Mavericks right now you can't even look at the standings because you just lost to the Hornets two times in a row where all the problems I know you're gonna ask me next what's the problem with this team the problems the problems are too many to name at this point because you can't just go well they're starting they're starting Dwight Powell instead of Christian Wood. They, they should start Christian Wood. I saw some national people saying that. I've seen some a lot of Mavs fans say, saying that. Like, you got to get somebody that can actually, you know, defend the rim and can rebound and can hit threes. Well, you can't just, you can't have Luka and Kyrie play both games against the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets without LaMelo Ball, Jackson. Oh, my God. Without LaMelo, without Terry Rozier. Multiple players out. Your former first-round pick, Dennis Smith Jr., who was going to play cornerback in the NFL this year. He starts for them. They're playing Svi Mikhailuk, who was Alex Caruso before. He was Austin Reeves before it was Alex Caruso before it was Svi Mikhailuk. That's who he was on the Lakers. Like This is the team you're playing. You have Luka and Kyrie both playing. I don't care if you or I are the three other players out there. 
like you and I and no one else, like just the two of us, we play four on five. If Luca and Kyrie are out there and you're playing against that Hornets team, you win. It doesn't matter who else is on the floor. So I'm not hearing the, oh, it's because they have Dwight Powell out there. Oh, it's because Reggie Bullock sucks. Oh, it's because Josh Green isn't what you thought he was. It doesn't matter. There's no rotation thing. Today, after a game like this, you're not looking at rotations. I'm going to hyper-analyze minutes. Minutes. Get out of here with, with minutes. Against this team, you cannot lose these two games. And to me, it rises and falls on the big fatal flaw that I've talked about for weeks on Lockdown Mavs, and that's leadership. This team has no leadership. This team lost a huge leader in Jalen Brunson. I think I didn't even realize how big of a leader he was on the team, but you're realizing it now. Look at the difference between where the Mavs are and where the Knicks are, right? Like, that's that's a big difference. The Knicks went from where the Mavs are right now to where they are right now just by adding Jalen Brunson. And Dorian Finney-Smith, huge loss of a leader, and we knew that at the time. And they haven't replaced it. And the coach is not interested in being a leader at all. I'm not playing. I'm watching just like you guys. He's hanging out, just watching. Like there's no, there's no scheme change. Like they look at this team and this team has not, I'm just going on a rant. Jackson, you're allowed to talk this whole time. I'm just, this is this, this is the current state of me. This team has not accepted who they are at several different levels. They didn't accept who they were when they didn't resign Jalen Brunson or extend him last season. They didn't accept who they were when Jalen Brunson left and they should have just offered him the, they should have offered him the max at that point, just offer him the max. He said he would have stayed at a certain point. I don't know if he would have stayed, blah, 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 but you lose a cultural piece in that you lose obviously talent for nothing in that they didn't accept who they were when they bring Tim Hardaway Jr. back from injury and sign Christian Wood at that point you're not a defensive team anymore you're an offensive team that just has to outscore teams and they didn't embrace that until like a couple months ago and then they make the Kyrie trade and then they, they still just haven't embraced who they are several different times throughout this they still have this defensive scheme that they're playing where it's relying on all five guys being great and being locked in and knowing who that like you can't hide anybody in this defensive scheme you can't hide many people in the nba in on defense and defensive schemes but you're just you're setting yourself up to fail every single night and your margin of error has to be so big like the stat i tweeted out today if kyrie irving shoots over like 53 percent from the field they they've won the majority of those games if he shoots under it then they haven't like they have to have both of these guys be great and to shoot great and to play perfect offense to get wins because their margin of error is so small because they don't change anything. There's no change in what the coach is doing, the defense, anything like that. And now this is what you get. All those things that I just mentioned add up to where the Dallas Mavericks are now. And that's out of the postseason. postseason, not even just playoffs. Oh, I yield my time. And how does that make you feel? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, like, I mean, oh, wow. That was, I think that might you know be, what? that you, might be one know, for the ages. You know what? This is how it makes me feel, Jackson. It's great. It's great, dude. Dude, it's great. It's great. It's great, broski. Bro, name it. It's great. It's great. It's great, bro. It's great. It's great. It's great. This life's great, bro. I have no complaints. I don't. That's how it makes me feel. So is it, so I know you mentioned, right, you mentioned Jason Kidd is not not interested in being the leader for the team. I, I find it interesting that you didn't bring up Luca's name. I mean, does does some of this not fall if there's a lack of leadership here, does some of that onus not fall on Luca to be a better leader for this Mavericks team? Yeah, sure. Like there there's there's plenty of blame to go around. The blame pie does not get filled in <laughs> with just one person <laughs> or just one situation. Sure, Luca could be a better leader. He's been in and out with injury for sure. And like they've had they've had a ton of different things that have happened 
Uh, and Luca does have to step up and has to mature. I mean, Jason Kidd called him out like in a weird passive aggressive way a couple weeks ago when he talked about how he has to mature and be a better you know, player, and not complain so much and whine so much. And that's where the team takes their cues from. This team has also played down to their competition. They just lost two games in a row to the Hornets. They played down to their competition all season. They lost the game earlier this year to the Rockets. <laughs> to your Rockets, they lost that game. Now Luca didn't play that game, but they've lost... To, to teams that have just not played some of their stars who have rested some of their stars this year. And that, that culture I think comes with Luca. Like that happens because Luca will rise to the occasion. They'll beat the, the Sixers where Luca and Kyrie both score 40. They'll almost beat the Suns with Kevin Durant because they rise to that occasion. They get everybody pumped. And then all of a sudden when a team comes in like the Hornets, they go, we got this. It doesn't matter. I'm Luca Doncic. I can just go out there and win. And so, yeah, sure. Some of it does come to Luca. He has not stepped up as a leader in that way just yet. He's still only like 24. Like he's still, he's been in the league for a, for a while now, like five years. He's, but he's still kind of a kid at, at times. And so that, that aspect has not really set in yet. And then nobody else on the team has, has really stepped up or can even step up. If you think about how long players have been in the league or, you know, what kind of role they are. Uh, and so I think if there's going to be a leader that's like been there, done that, it would have to be Kyrie and, I can hear, I can, I can almost hear like through the force. I can hear, I can hear those laughing at me from across the multiverse, but uh, it would have to be him. If it's going to be somebody this year, I just don't see Luca doing that and stepping up into that role uh, this season, if it's going to, and also Luca mentioned oh, after the first Hornets loss, Jesus Christ. I can't believe that's a thing that I can say the first Hornets loss on Friday that he's got some personal things happening. Like there's some stuff in his family life and stuff that, you know, behind the scenes that we're not really going to get into that that's affecting him. And you could just tell at the beginning of this second Hornets loss that he, he was just not himself. Like he's just not him uh, at a certain point. And he's kind of been that way all year where he's going to put up numbers. He's going to be second or first in the league in scoring. And he's going to put up those numbers he's going to produce, but it's not, extra Luca ball. And that's what the Mavericks need to be good is extra Luca ball because almost a, a, a razor slim margin for error at this point with this Mavericks team. Nick is the, is the, I'm going to coin this phrase, the Kai regret. Is that starting to set in with this Mavericks team? It, would this Mavericks team have been better off not trading for Kyrie? I know you pointed out the stat earlier, the game specifically five and one when Kyrie shoots better than 53%. Now one and eight when he's under that threshold. I mean, is it is it about because they haven't leaned into this identity fully of just being a team that's going to outscore everybody else or is it is it more to do with just Kyrie was the wrong move for this Mavericks team? You know what? We saw this a couple of times over the weekend of people blaming Kyrie and it's mostly from outlets that are disingenuous or, you know, aren't really following the Mavericks day to day. Kyrie actually has not been a problem on this team at all from everything that I've seen and heard from even the answers he's given post game from things that we've heard from players. Like I did a whole thing on, on our, on lockdown Mavs on, um, about how Kyrie has become like he's kind of stepping up as a leader. Maxi Kleba, after he hit that game winning shot against the Lakers, had glowing things to say, went out of his way to talk about how Kyrie's been, you know, a great teammate and an awesome teammate and all that. So if you're coming after Kyrie and saying, okay, there, there's Kyrie Gret or whatever you want to, whatever you want to coin it, it's you're either going after Kyrie, you're going out of your way to go after Kyrie. Or you think just because of his sheer presence, like just him being a person and being on the team is making them bad. I just think what happened with this trade is it exacerbated all the other problems the Mavericks had with coaching, with scheme, with um, with playing up and down to competition, with having a defense that was held together with paper clips. And then all of a sudden the main paper clip of Dorian Finney-Smith leaves and then you're gone. Like it just falls apart after that. 
all that stuff that, you know, having another ball handler, they had problems with multiple ball handlers all season. And then they trade Spencer Dinwiddie away. And then uh, all of a sudden it's just Luca and Kyrie again as the ball handler. So like all these problems that you had before, it gets exacerbated because you bring in Kyrie. He's been injured as well. Like he's been in and out of games. Luca and Kyrie have still only played like 10 games together. Um, and so it's not on Kyrie, but it, but it, it magnified all the other problems that they had before that. Can the Dallas Mavericks right the ship and even no. make it to the no. postseason? Will it happen Stop. at this point? Back it up, Jackson. <laughs> what will the offseason hold for Luka and Kyrie? You will have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked On Mavericks. Nick, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. God, will I have it covered on Locked On Mavs? I guess. Coming up, how has John Morant reintegrated himself over these last few games with the Memphis Grizzlies after spending a chunk of time away from the team attending counseling and, and dealing with the off-the-court issues that he's been faced with? We're going to get there in just one moment, but first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Next game, how about Luka Doncic to score more than 26.5 points? What about LeBron James to have more than 7.5 rebounds? How about Chris Paul to have less than 8.5 assists? And what about Steph Curry to have more than 3.5 three-pointers made? So what is prize picks? It's daily fantasy sports, but how does it work? Basically, you pick two to six players. If they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you'd win up to 25 times back on your money on any entry that you submit. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. That's NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL. They've got you covered for all the action. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. They're safe. They offer fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And continuing on here at Locked on NBA Monday, as always, thank you so much for making Locked on NBA your first listen each and every day, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on NBA. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Joining us now is the host of Locked on Grizzlies, Joe Molinax. You can find wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked on Grizzlies and be sure to, of course, like, comment, subscribe, all that stuff on the YouTube side of things. Joe, we had this... Feels like kind of a long-ish saga with with Ja Morant trying to, mm. you know, he he's figuring out the stuff that he's dealing with off the court, but he made his much-anticipated return to the Grizzlies lineup this past week, got a handful of games under his belt. Just up to this point, we'll get into, you know, some of how he's looked with him back on the floor, but how has Ja, you know, kind of handled this situation to this point, addressing the concerns about what happened with, with the gun situation, all that, and transitioning back to rejoining this Grizzlies team? Well, first off, thanks for having me. As always, happy to to be on uh, the the main show here, so to speak, on our NBA side of the network. Uh, I think that the first thing that people need to understand is he's still not okay. Like in terms of him getting right, to Michael Cole, my co-host over at Lockdown Grizzlies, is the beat writer for the Memphis Grizzlies for the Commercial Appeal local paper there in Memphis. And he has said, you know, he was at that initial first media availability. Ja is very different than he was before he went uh, to Florida for counseling, rehab, whatever you want to call it. I think the official definition is counseling. Uh, he, he has 
at least for the time being, changed his demeanor. He is much more guarded. He appears to be much more aware of his emotions on the basketball court uh, against the Atlanta Hawks on Sunday evening, for example. He had a couple of really impressive plays against the Rockets. Uh, You probably saw one of the the dunks that he that he hit um, a posterized jam that, you know, job before all of this probably would have flexed and yelled out a NBA young boy lyric or something like that. And, you know, he would have been a little bit more audacious, a little more demonstrative. He has not done that. He's made good plays. He's roughly the same player. He's still the same explosive talent that he was before all this happened. But you could definitely tell there's a change in how he carries himself. Uh, I don't know if it's for the better yet or not, but I, I do think that it's it's important to point out that for all the people that criticized, oh, he was only there for 10 days, how much can you actually learn? You know, that's not how how this works, right? He's, he has not at any point acted like everything's fine. Um, he, he is very honest about why he thought he should come off the bench at first. It was his idea. He has talked about, you know, wanting to show his teammates that he he doesn't want to disrupt the success that they had been having. He wanted to add to it. And that's the way it's worked these first three games. Now, granted, it was against the Rockets, no offense. And the it's it's cool, <laughs> but it, but it was against an Atlanta Hawks team that has been playing better. Right. Like that is a and for a Grizzlies team that this season has really struggled on the road to go into Atlanta and pick up that win, even though the Grizzlies are theoretically better than the Hawks, that's not a game that they've consistently won over the span of the season. So Morant has added to them. He hasn't taken away from the success that the team was having without him. And, you know, that that's a testament to his willingness to get back into the flow slowly. And, and I think that it's extra evidence to the idea that perhaps he is indeed, you know, I never felt this way. I always took him seriously. But for those outside of Memphis that maybe think he's full of it, I would argue that if you've been paying attention these last few days since he's been back, I don't know that he is. I think he's genuinely going through something and he's trying to grow from it. And you talk about kind of the willingness there, right? But, you know, his idea to come off the bench, that whole thing. It's not often that you see a star player really take that, you know, moment and be like, hey, I just, I'll come off the bench. I'm trying sure. to reinsert myself in the success that you guys are having kind of, you know, and what that says about, about where he is at and how he's trying to, you know, kind of reintegrate himself with this Grizzlies team. And it's about humility, I think, to an extent, right? And we don't have any concrete reports of, of people being unhappy with him, but we do have the Steven Adams report of the players meeting where Steven Adams, the lone veteran essentially on the team, uh, came out and talked about stop partying, stop going out as much as you are. And it was one of those conversations where, you know, you know who they're talking about, but they don't really say the name of the person that they're talking about. It was about job. And that was before all of the stuff in Denver and all the issues that occurred on that now infamous road trip. Uh, but I, I think that for him, it is a willingness to say, I am not bigger than the team, right? And Taylor Jenkins himself said, like, obviously, John Morant's eventually going to start. Like, there are rumblings on Grizzlies Twitter and maybe a blog post here or a tweet there that would say, well, you know, Tyus Jones is a really good starter and John Morant would dominate second units. Just stop. Like, it was never basketball logical to have Tyus Jones start ahead of John Morant. If it's about his mental, which is what it was about, then cool, right? Like I said, I'm never going to judge the guy or anybody for that matter 
going through something like that because I don't know what they're going through. I don't have that experience, but I do have that empathy to at least acknowledge I don't know what I don't know. Uh, he, he seems to be genuine in what he is looking to do. If it's a PR stunt, he's excellent at PR, which I think we can all agree as much as we love John Memphis, that has not been a strength of his over his first four years in the NBA. So I'm, I'm not as convinced that it's a giant PR publicity thing as I am. It's a young player that made a series of mistakes that now understands, even if he should have understood all along, you know, yeah, I could lose $40 million from this all NBA thing. Oh, you're saying Nike may not release my shoe on time. Oh, Powerade changed the March Madness commercial and took me out of it. Like all of these things that have occurred, you know, none of this is guaranteed for him. And he has to make conscious changes to his life in order to achieve the things that he's been in a position to take full advantage of with the fame and the glory that has come with his rise in the NBA. Grizzlies went six and three in this most recent stretch without jaw. And we also saw, you know, there was last season, the stretch without jaw as well, where the Grizzlies kind of didn't miss a beat. They just, they kept performing. In fact, there were, we had some wild takes flying. Like, Are these, is, is this Grizzly team better without jaw, which is yeah. you know, not the case whatsoever. I, so, that was super dumb too. Yeah. W- w- right. So without making it a knock on, what jaw means to this team, what does it say about Memphis that they can lose their star, right? Because a lot of teams, they lose their star and they fumble, right? They immediately like crater. You know, what does it say about the rest of this team that they can still compete at such a high level without the guy that straw, you know, the guy that's the, the straw that serves the drink, if you will. It says that they have two starting point guards and how many teams in the NBA can legitimately say that they have two legitimate NBA starting point guards. Uh, to Tyus Jones's credit, he was a reserve again. Ja started against the Hawks on Sunday evening. And Tyus had his first good reserve game that he's had in a long time, like being a true backup to Morant. Tyus's numbers as a reserve this year are far worse than they are as a starter. But when Tyus is the starter and Ja is not there, they do it in a different way, but they are just as good in terms of Tyus helping facilitate the offense, helping get looks for Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain. Tyus is the more traditional game manager, able to hit the floater, big shot maker when needed. You know, the comparison has been made while Jaw was out to Mike Conley in a way, that if you watch Tyus Jones over this nine-game stretch when Morant wasn't playing, and then even the two games where Jaw was coming off the bench, he he's shown some flashes of what Mike Conley was for the Grizzlies a few years ago, right? So I think that if you have John Morant and Mike Conley circa 2019 on your basketball team, you're, you're going to be pretty good. And again, no offense, it was against the Houston Rockets, but I think we saw some flashes of what Tyus can do as that starter. The question is, is he able to be what he was against the Hawks, to his credit, consistently? Can he be a reserve guy that continues that energy for Memphis going into the playoffs, because if he can, you know, the Grizzlies are going to be a problem because that's 48 minutes or more. If there's overtime of starting caliber point guard play and not many teams can, can compete with that in terms of their depth. The Grizzlies have proven this season more than anything that they have a legitimate, you know, maybe outside of Boston, they are the deepest team in the national basketball association. And that is a testament to the way they drafted the way that they've built this roster. And, you know, Tyus Jones come this summer, it, is, it doesn't make sense to have a $14 million insurance policy 
But for right now, it sure is nice to have him on the roster, especially if he's able to play the way he did against Atlanta. We're talking about them being one of the deepest teams in the association. They don't even have Brandon Clark or Steven Adams right now so either. Like that's two right? more guys that, you know, could easily be you know part of the rotation. It's it's crazy. But with with the Memphis Grizzlies, I mean, how, how does John Morant continue to navigate his, you know, rehabilitation process both on and off the court? What does that do for him? How does that change his personality and how he carries himself moving forward? Will Steven Adams make it back in time for a Grizzlies postseason run? You'll have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked On Grizzlies. Joe, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Anytime. Happy to talk about it. Coming up, the LA Clippers are going to lose Paul George for the rest of the regular season, but with the hope that he can maybe make a return sometime during the first round of the playoffs. How does this impact the Clippers moving forward? What changes for the LA Clippers without Paul George? We're going to get there in just one moment, but first, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. The Built March Madness Bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know that I'm going to be voting for the Coconut Brownie Chunk Bar. It is so good, but you really can't go wrong with any bar on their menu, right? Whether your favorite is strawberry or cookies and cream, salted caramel, raspberry, the list goes on and on and on. You can go vote for your favorite. Support your bar or puff right now, and when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners get a free box of Built Bar. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have all of the best bars and puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You've got to try Built Bar, the best protein bars on the market. Seriously, they are so amazing. You won't even think that they're good for you. They're basically candy bars that are jam-packed with protein. Low in sugar, high in protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. So run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. And final segment here at Locked On NBA Monday. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On NBA part of your day every single day. Whether you listen on the podcast side, listening on YouTube, thank you for making Locked On NBA part of your day. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Clippers, Darian Vaziri, who you can find wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Clippers. And on the YouTube side, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Darian, what I mean, the, the Clippers had a moment of just absolute, like, you know, looked like their season might come to a screeching, grinding halt. Paul George injured this past week. The injury did not look great. It looked like he kind of hyperextended his knee coming down on a play. At first, there was, like, significant fear, like he was going to be done for for a long, long time. But it looks like the initial evaluation is that, you know, it's not as bad as it looked and that they're going to be reevaluating him in two to three weeks and that there's actually some hope that he might be able to return in time for a first-round playoff series. Yeah, that was a really scary moment, Jackson, when that happened. It was the first time I'd really felt like, you know, our season had maybe just ended right there. I, I should I shouldn't fully say that, but it was the first time where I saw an injury happen for the Clippers since Sean Livingston's knee injury in 2007 when I was very young. But I still remember watching that game. And that was the first moment where I watched an injury that like gruesome, you know, for a Clipper player. And it made me. But that season, you know, all I wanted was the Clippers to make the playoffs again. This season was a championship, you know, championship expectations going into it. So, yeah, that was a very scary moment. Very relieving news, though, to figure out the next day. They listed it as a knee sprain, but they also listed Kawhi Leonard's injury when he tore his ACL as a sprain initially. And the Clipper medical staff and the Clippers in general in this 
like Lawrence Frank era, the last four or five years, I've done a good job of keeping things under wraps or keeping things kind of incognito. I don't even know if I should say a good thing. Some people like it. Some people don't like it, but it's safe to say a lot of people were still a little hesitant about that initial news that it was a sprain, but it definitely looked more like a hyperextension. The good news is we found out that no, um, there was no tears and it doesn't sound like he's going to need surgery. So we're hopeful they can come back for the playoffs. We talked before uh, about just this team trying to find some chemistry, trying to build some cohesion going into the postseason. Obviously, this makes it a lot harder to do if you're not going to have Paul George for the rest of the regular season. I mean, at this point, what type of an impact would you even be kind of hoping for, expecting out of Paul George if he even does make it back in time for like, you know, a first round playoff series? Well, Paul George is obviously, as any injured player coming back from an injury has to do is get back in a rhythm. It's going to take a couple of games. The encouraging thing for Clipper fans and fans of Paul George is that in the last two years, when he's come back from injury, he's come back within one or two games. Like he hasn't missed a day. If I recall correctly last year, when he missed, you know, that a large chunk of games, he missed 51 games overall last season, but it was, you know, the re the main chunk of that was when he had the elbow injury, but he came back late in the year against the Utah jazz. And I think I'm almost positive that was his first game back and it felt like he had not missed a day. And then this season he had a moment like that too, where he came back from injury and it was like, he hadn't missed a day. So do I expect that in the playoffs? Not so much. I think it'll still take a game or two, but that's the encouraging news is that in recent years for the Clippers, Paul George has come back from injury looking pretty good. So hopefully he can do that. If we play or whoever we play in the first round, if we make it, of course, it's looking a little dangerous right now. Yeah, the, the first round in the West. I mean, you you could sneeze and suddenly the the you know the seating gets all jumbled. It just it's such a tightly packed race right now, from all the way from five down to like the tenth, eleventh seed. Uh, it could be anybody's game here at this point as to you know where the seating is going to wind up. But right now, Darian, what? Obviously, it's really hard. It's basically almost impossible at times to kind of moneyball, uh, you know, a player together to make up what a what a true superstar brings to a team. But what one singular part of Paul George's game do you think is going to be the hardest or the the most missed in his absence here to close out the season? Just well, I'd say defensively, he was starting to play much better recently, and that's huge for the Clippers. But having that second score behind Kawhi Leonard, if Kawhi Leonard has an off night like he did against New Orleans the other night, the Clippers just got destroyed. They stopped defending and having another star. I mean, it's just, you can't really put a price on that. So that's the biggest thing. That secondary score shot creator, that secondary star, you know, as good as Russ, I still think Russell Westbrook is a good player, but he's no longer a star. We don't have another star besides Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So that's simply what it is. You know, got to have that second score, that 25 point a game kind of guy. Yeah, having that second star certainly helps. I mean, at this point, you mentioned his name there just a moment ago, Kawhi Leonard. How much pressure is now on Kawhi's shoulders to kind of, I mean, be the driving force, right? It, it, the buck starts and stops with him now. He doesn't have uh, a Paul George to lean on if he has an off night like that. There's, There's got to be an immense amount of pressure on him between now and the regular season. And, and again, even potentially a first round series, depending on when or if PG makes it back. Absolutely. There's a lot of pressure on Kawhi. And it's kind of interesting because we witnessed last season as fans with Paul George doing the whole thing without Kawhi or the 31 games he played without Kawhi. And then obviously the Western Conference finals run in 2021 without Kawhi Leonard for those last two games of the Jazz Series and the whole conference finals. 
So now, kind of flip the script, have Kawhi Leonard having to carry as the only star with the Clippers supporting cast with Paul George out. And you know what? Kawhi Leonard is still the best player on this team. And I think that he will do a good job. But as you said, there's a lot of pressure. It's like he needs to play great. He needs to play great. And, you know, I think he's capable, but you just never know in basketball. Who does it look like Ty Lue is going to be going to as the direct kind of replacement for Paul George, you know, to close out the regular season? Well, he's been starting Eric Gordon instead, and people have their deferring opinions on that. I obviously like... Oh, my. (laughs) I got (laughs) to include my... I got my Eric Gordon sound bites locked and loaded still, so got to throw one of those in there. Got to love it. I mean, I personally lean very defense first in my approach to all this stuff, so Terrence Mann would or Nicholas Batum would be my ideal choice. But Eric Gordon, I mean, I don't think he's the worst player in the starting lineup. I mean, right now, Marcus Morris is in a slump that is beyond description. But Eric Gordon, you know, he still had some good games, some bad games. He's inconsistent. He's a role player. He's going to have his good and bad games. So that's who he's turned to. But what would really be nice for the Clippers is if we could get Norman Powell back one of these games coming up because that's a guy who can who was going off for 20 points a night before we got Russell Westbrook. And now that Paul George is out, if he can come back and just be that secondary scorer that the Clippers need, it would be a huge boost. Yeah, he might be that guy that can kind of alleviate some of the pressure on Kawhi. What What's the, the current timetable on him? When is he expected to, to maybe step back on the court? Norman Powell? There hasn't actually been news about him lately, but the encouraging signs are that his recent Instagram post, he was playing and it looked like full speed against other players in the team. So that's great. And it sounds like he met, he's probably coming back before the playoffs, but there still hasn't been a, you know, report or an update on the specific timetable or a specific potential return date anytime, but that's a good sign. He's out against the bulls on Monday. That's all I know for now. Right now, I you know we mentioned earlier the West is so so jam packed. I mean, you know anything. It feels like a house of cards that could all come tumbling down at any minute. Right now, the Clippers are sitting the fifth seed. They might you know they might be able to finish four seed. They might drop a few you know in the seeding standings and and be a little bit lower when it's all said and done. Right now, though, Darian, who is the worst matchup for the Clippers of all the possible teams they might match up with in the first round, and who would be the best possible matchup for this Clippers team? Well. As crazy as this sounds, and I didn't think I'd be saying this, but they're, the worst matchup in the West for the Clippers is the Nuggets, and I didn't think we'd have to play them potentially in the first round, but if the Clippers drop to eight, we could play them in the first round. So that would be my answer there. But in terms of the teams around the three, four, five, six, seven range, I don't think we match up necessarily poorly with any of them. But Phoenix obviously scares me because Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. I mean, and obviously, Deion, you know, they have the star power. But... As crazy as this sounds, I still have a little bit of a fear of the Warriors, of all those teams in that range, more than anyone, maybe even more than the Suns, just because Kevin Durant hasn't played that much. And obviously, with the way the Warriors have played on the road this year, it would be really nice to have home court against them. But the problem is, Northern California is not that far. Steph Curry has a cult fan base now. They're bringing at least 40% of the stadium in every playoff game, and they have championship experience that matchup makes me a little nervous. However, if there's no Andrew Wiggins, then my answer is the Phoenix Suns. But of course, Denver trumps them all. 
Denver trumps them all. All right, well, hey, I mean, with that, I mean, how is the rest of the regular season going to look for the LA Clippers with no Paul George? Will Kawhi Leonard be able to step up and deliver in a big way to close out the season and into the postseason? Of course, you'll have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked On Clippers. Darian, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Anytime. That's going to do it for another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked On NBA. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts.